Everyone just looking in, in the mirror at this point and feel a whole lot better. Playing like right now, so. We don't give a about criticism about AD. We don't care. 7.02 on a Friday. F it Friday here on the Halford and Bruff Show. Where we lean in to swearing. I was shocked, I'm not going to lie. And I swear more than anyone. If you see me out in the street, good chance I'm swearing. Just randomly to yourself. Happy under swears. Your sad swears. They're Couldn't all find my keys this morning. You should have heard the swear. Yeah, right? <laughs> so last night, I'm um, collecting the audio for the show. Doing all the notes. The bedrock of this show, really. And um, I'm noticing that there's Nikita Zadorov of the Calgary Flames after a 3 nothing loss. He's angry. Again. He apologizes for his team's performance in front of the home fans and said, we played like the SH one, the S word. Okay. Mark that down. We can play that. That's yeah. a good example of how frustrated they are in Calgary. Then I flip over to the Edmonton highlights, and there's Darnell Nurse. I think it was a question from Ryan Rashog. It seemed like a totally normal, very monotone back and forth. And that one was almost more more jarring because very casually and without getting too heated, Darnell Nurse dropped an F-bomb. You take the boy out of Hamilton. <laughs> Said we got to F and play better. So I'm like, okay. That's understandable, though. Both teams lost. They were upset. Flames players were upset. Oilers players were upset. Then I'm watching basketball. Watched a lot of sports last night. Lakers were the late game. They grind out a victory. I think it was 95-91 against Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns. No Devin Booker last night. Uh, LeBron plays every minute in the fourth quarter. That was a big deal because he was on a minutes restriction. He played every minute in the fourth quarter. He grinded out a victory. They win. Do you have the audio already? He was then asked about... Uh, Anthony Davis, who I guess didn't play well in the first game of the season and was faced with some criticisms. And then LeBron, on TNT, he's clearly on television. He knows it. (laughs) The reporter knows it. He just starts swearing like crazy. Here's what it sounded like. There was also a lot of criticism of Anthony Davis in that second half on Tuesday night. What can you say about his performance tonight in game two to get your first win? We don't give a about criticism about AD. We don't care. Nothing bothers us, nothing. We don't, AD doesn't care. I don't know if guys have figured that out. AD does not care. He's not on social media, so he doesn't see none of the crap. He rarely talks, unless it's us. So we don't, we don't give a about it, and he definitely doesn't. Just go out and do his job, and we happen to have AD. What is this world coming to? When you drop two S-bombs, why filter yourself with the crap? Because he said, AD doesn't pay attention to any of that crap. Like, you already broke the f- Crap the is a one. good word, though. Crap's okay. yeah, yeah. Um, Should have gone with diddly poo. Mm-hmm. Now, some people have... You don't give a diddly poo about any of this. <laughs> <laughs> some people have suggested, opined, that this is because of the rise of podcasts. That, it, you know, podcasts, apparently, you can say anything you want, yeah. anytime you want, and you can swear anytime you want. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we'll get it in post. And oftentimes, they just don't. So since we're technically a podcast as well, shouldn't we be allowed to swear more? Do you understand how much more, one, enjoyable, yes, and <laughs> two, abusive I would be <laughs> if I was allowed to swear? I have to check myself constantly. Yeah, I know. It's a frequent fear Constantly, of mine. you know? And I do- I don't know, like how much I swear off the air. I don't think that it's- I sound crass. Yeah, but that's like your old school English rhetoric coming out. 
Like the prim and proper British side of you. <laughs> no, it's not. Yes, it's it just, is. I just swear too much. No, no, no. no the Canadians, Canadians sorry, by the way, the, the, the pushback against it is that mm. you've got a very sort of prim and proper um, lineage. Like my family, the same thing as my dad said. His parents were from England. They never cursed right. out loud. It was just, it, was it just, just wasn't un- done. It was uncouth. Right. It was beneath us. Mm-hmm. That's what the working class did. The Italians <laughs> did that. So it was like, you know. The Italian side of your family. Right. And so you're looking at it and you're saying, well, what happened? Where did this change happen? My dad swore that it happened with his generation because he's like, I swear more than anybody. Mm-hmm. But now, so I, another clip I was watching last night was Luca, or two, two nights ago, Luka Doncic was talking after beating the Spurs and he threw in an F-bomb completely accidentally. Right. He was just talking in the normal. Did he fl- apologize? He he went all. Oh red. my god! He did. He went all kind of sheepish and red. Yeah. He's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But don't you think Canadians are underrated swearers? Oh yeah, but like we're 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 real good at swearing. Yeah, for such a polite nation, we sure swear a lot. Yeah. We swear a lot. Who is oh, the best? F yeah, who is, bud. Who, is the, who is the best swearing country? Like the well, English, I always think of Australia because they use <laughs> they yeah. use the c word oh, yeah. with such like ease, yeah. and it's yeah. just it's so accepted in that culture mm-hmm. that when you see Australians talk with non-Australians and they use that word, people yeah. just get so offended. Like, how did you just say that? Like, what do you mean? It's like saying hello. It's just like such a, it's a normal word for us. Mm-hmm. It doesn't yeah. have the same context or meaning. I find it jarring. I would it's like it's jarring. I would like to put. Uh, Canada is number one in the power rankings, mm-hmm. though. In number one, yeah. I think England. Yep. England is England just knows how to punch it. I mean, but that's, that's what I'm saying. saying. Players, with multiple though. English accents. But that's right? what I, spend five minutes in a hockey dressing room. Like, yeah, I don't know if it gets much worse than that. It's become part of that. That's what I like is that they don't have Canadians don't have to punch it up. It's like everything yeah. else we do. It's understated. I mean, have you spent much time with English people? I mean, I don't know. I used to tour it's with a bunch of Irish and Scottish guys, and the Scottish guys, I couldn't understand a word they were saying, but yeah. and they use the F word a lot. I think yeah. they swear That's a the lot. only word I understood. Mm. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Um, I want to get into some of the stories from last night in the National Hockey League before we dive into the Dunbar Lumber text message in basket. Before we do that, a dog. Okay. A okay. dog's been working on this for uh, at least an hour. Oh boy. A dog. A dog has an idea. Well, it's because of a texter, so I'm stealing the texter's idea. Hey, shut up! Don't make me swear. A okay. dog has an idea, <laughs> and he wants to try and execute this for the winner of the uh, the winner of the Canucks tickets on Halloween. Mm-hmm. We're giving away a pair of tickets Tuesday, October 31st. It's Halloween night. Canucks Predators, seven o'clock, Rogers Arena. The game is on Halloween night. Andy likes Halloween really more than anybody I know. So he's devised this plan. The holiday of Halloween, you mean? The holiday of Halloween, yes. in which every business is open, <laughs> everybody goes to work, children go to school, and there's a hockey game. But yeah, huge, huge holiday. Can you please explain what you want to do yeah. here and then tell the listeners? Uh, this is from one texter that gave me the idea. So I'm not saying it's going to guarantee your chance of winning the tickets, but it'll be highly probable that you win them if you give us of what we learned uh, with the ticket emoji, hashtag WWL ticket emoji, and then you tell us what you're going to dress up as at the game. So the stipulation is you have to dress up at the Canucks game for the Halloween game. The best costume most likely will win, but the, the trick is you can't lie about it. You have to actually do it. Take a picture of yourself at the game and then tag us on social media. So at Sad Club Commish, at Mike Alford 604 at Andy Cole 1984 okay. at Greg Ballard. What if they take so, the tickets and just ghost us? 
Well, well then, then they, they're mean people. No, they get black. S- sell the tickets. And they're like, by the way, there's one stipulation. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you'll be blacklisted for eternity. I will block I you believe- in the Dunbar Lumber text yeah. message in basket. You will ne- I'll go out of my way to make sure you can't listen to this yeah. show. I will ruin you. Yeah. You're telling me you're giving me free tickets, but I got to dress up? Yeah. You have to do this, please. It's kind and of I- a thing I'm into. Yeah. And you know what? It, if you want to do a super lame costume, I lean into that more. So quick anecdote about No, it has to be really involved and no, intricate. No, no. You have uh, to spend hours on this costume. When Bruff and I worked at... It can't just be a ghost sheet or something like when that. When Bruff know? and I worked at, at Bodog, um, we had uh, a very, how should I put it, enthusiastic manager who went beyond encouraging us to dress up. It was like, it's good for office morale if everyone dresses up. Mm-hmm. And we're like, fine. And it was... So we, we kind of looked at each other. And we're like, we're going to put the least amount of effort imaginable into doing this. So Bruff took a leaf and taped it to the brim of his hat. And then every time someone asked him what his costume was, he blew the leaf and he said, I'm a leaf blower. <laughs> Did you do the wind effect? Yeah. I was, no, I was just like, <laughs> and I kind of looked like, I'm not enthusiastic. So people about got it. They're like, this company. people quickly got it. They're like, don't ask him about his costume anymore. So then, let's never talk to that guy again. I went as Idaho and oh. I put a piece of square See, that's Taper funny. On my, I like on that. my chest. And then I carried around a potato for the day. I like that. So uh, they were also like, I don't really know what's going on with this guy, but I don't want to ask him about his Did costume. you always just go, I'm Idaho. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you can bring a potato into Rogers Arena. <laughs> uh, <laughs> could you imagine sliding it? <laughs> Outside food, not allowed. Is that a potato? It you is. just have to explain them, look, it's for the ticket thing. I have to bring the potato yeah, in. There's no outside food. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh, Trey, the Gulf Island Ferry Worker. It's Ask Us Anything Friday. And he asks, if the Canucks can't find solid partners for Hughes and Hronik, would it be crazy to have one of them on the ice at all times and they each have two partners? <laughs> that would be pretty funny if Hughes and Hronik just like switched for each other yeah. all the time to make sure that one of them was on the ice. Here's the thing, though, and I really do want to keep coming back to this. Um, I want to see Hronik by himself out there because I don't have an idea like on no him partner? yet. Well, whatever. It's just, yeah. No other Just teammate. not with Hughes. Just not oh, with Hughes. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, I got you. Sorry. I, I, I want to see if he can do it. Because the Canucks have to make sure, sure that this guy can carry a pairing by himself if they're going to pay him. Well, look, I would imagine that that pairing is not going to spend all 82 games no, together. No, I don't think so. It'll either. happen eventually. Yeah. Um, the, the thing is, is when you split them, you go back to that debate that I felt we had far too often in the preseason, and it was Partly due to a lack of content, but mm. who plays with Hughes? Hughes plays with Hironic. They answered the question by saying, why don't we play them together and not have to worry about it? But you're right. Eventually, if you're going to commit to him long term and give him the kind of money that he's now going to get, yeah. you better have all the boxes ticked about what he can mm. and I think more importantly can't do. And one of them better be can carry his own pairing. Yeah. It can be called the Hironic pairing. Right? Well, you know what's funny is that he might be in line to request a contract that's almost as big as Quinn Hughes's contract. Oh, yeah. Like Quinn Hughes is on a really good contract for how good Hughes is. What is it? Just under $8 million cap hit? Like, there's a chance that Hronik, if he puts up big numbers and he keeps playing, you know, the big minutes that he's playing, and especially if he's on a pair with Quinn Hughes the whole season, like, he might be in line for a contract 
almost the size of Quinn Hughes's. Hughes is on seven point eight five million. <laughs> yeah, AAV. right. Yeah, I mean, it's not unheard of to think that he'd be what a seven million dollar player with inflation. He could make <laughs> with inflation. Yeah, you got to got to consider inflation. The cap going up. It could be in that neighborhood. Um, I want to read this text. It's a, what we learned, but it's from Jason in Lynn Valley, and he says, "Here's what I've learned." It's okay to advertise every 30 seconds for sports betting, but apparently it's not okay to sports bet if you're a player. I think we have to understand that it's okay to have rules for players against betting on hockey. No, Jason, that's hypocritical. It's not. It's not. And here's a perfect example. Mike, A-Dog, Laddie, we all work for a public company, Right. We have to do something called a code of conduct. And every year they bug us. They're like, don't forget to do your code of conduct. And it's your financial code of conduct. And it's basically like, hey, don't insider trade. Not that any of us will be getting like <laughs> non-public information about the yeah. big plans that, that Rogers has. Like we're not brought in on those. But they make sure that employees are not in a position where they will – trade stocks based on information that is not available to the public, mm -hmm. right? It's the exact same thing. Yes, you can have online gambling sponsors. And yes, you can tell players you are not allowed to bet on NHL. Mm -hmm. Those things are not, like, there's no hypocrisy there. Mm -hmm. Absolutely none. Yep. It's just the rules, Right, you can, if, make it, if, you can make it really easy by just saying you are forbidden to bet on the sport you play or the league you play in. Cut and dry, super simple, hundred percent, no problem, no questions asked. It makes what some might say see as a gray area issue no longer gray. Like Jason's hoodie, it's just it's super simple. And I think any fan of the game would want that, would they not? You don't want players betting on. I mean, I don't care sport. on a personal yeah. level. Whatever, you know, but I'm a libertarian. Um, but well, there's some, there are some people that say that insider trading should be legal. Just like make it a free for all, because if you put in these rules, first of all, it's complicated, but also it gives an advantage to the people that do it anyway and get away with it. Yeah, it's like cheating in sports, right? right? We all hate the Astros because of their elaborate cheating scheme, but we're also pretty good at baseball. <laughs> like they're they're winning. If you're not cheating, you're not trying. There's yeah. that gray area there. For I mean, sure. I I thousand percent disagree with all that, but like, but I there hate are the people because they're cheaters that say that. But I don't think you want players. Like, imagine if they're betting we're going to lose this game, and you know why? Because I'll be in goal. Well, that is something that when you're allowed, or that when that avenue opens up about guys betting on their own league, suddenly you get into some real dark art stuff, right? So, for example, the suspension that, oddly enough, was handed down like an hour before Pinto's mm -hmm. was Are Sandro you? Tonali, who now plays for Newcastle. Okay. He played for AC Milan, and he's a, a Italian international. I mean, if you go and read the details of that one, he bet uh, on football, soccer, on matches involving his club, Mm -hmm. AC Milan. Now, he wasn't playing, though, right? He said it was when he was not involved in the squad. But at that point, you're saying, I don't know if that matters. Because mm -hmm. you should not be betting on your team, on your sport, on your league. That's why you just have the rule. Cut and dry. Don't do it. You know, this thing with Pinto and 
who had access to his account, who had access to a, his phone. That's all great, but I feel like that's semantics because at its core, the NHL had to say like two things. One, don't bet on hockey. doesn't matter how it happened or whatever. And two, here's what's going to happen if anybody else does it. 41-game mm-hmm. suspension was just the tip of the iceberg if you want to mess with this. Like it could be If even they had more. determined that Shane Pinto himself had bet on hockey and he had knowingly bet on games... If they had determined that, the suspension would be far longer than 41 games. Oh, yeah. It would have been a minimum one year. 82 games, no questions asked. Yeah. And if right. it was for, and I, I'm sure they look at the amounts, if it was for large amounts, mm-hmm. then he might have been banned for life. Like that's, that's how serious it is. The Pinto situation, as we just talked about, it sounds like it was a little bit. It might have been an innocent mistake by him where his buddy had access to his gambling account and was betting on games unbeknownst to Pinto. At least that's the story. That's the story that I'm hearing. Some people will doubt that and say, I don't believe that. That smells fishy. Whatever. Um, But the thing that I think a lot of people were confused by yesterday was the NHL coming out and saying Pinto himself did not bet on NHL games. Then people were like, well, wait a minute. Are, there, are hockey players not allowed to bet on any sports then? No, they are. They're just not allowed to bet on hockey, NHL-related stuff. So the thing that people didn't know was that it was probably Pinto's buddy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yep. and, and I think if it had been Pinto telling this guy, bet on these games because I know some stuff, the suspension would have been far, far longer. But I think what happened... From what I've heard is that they all got together and they're like, okay, Pinto's not the worst guy in the world, right? Like he's this isn't a nefarious thing. Sure. But we cannot allow this to happen. We cannot allow our betting partners to be able to flag fishy betting going on in Shane Pinto's name yep. and do nothing about it. Mm-hmm. So they yeah, all came exactly together it. and they were like, okay, what are we gonna do here? We don't want to ban him for life. We don't want to ban him for a whole year. He's a young kid that made a dumb mistake, but we still need to send a message to everyone else. Number one, betting on NHL games in any way, like in any way that makes it look suspicious, we're going to bring the hammer down. But also, as a lesson, hey, guys, don't let anyone have access to your account. Don't let any – just don't do it. Yeah. You know? Uh, I do want to continue on the NHL stories. And by the way, if you were wagering on the NHL last night, you could have made some real money if you were betting on the Anaheim Ducks. I wonder if Pinto was paying attention to that one. Mason McTavish, the hero in overtime. So this was funny. We had Fluto Shinzawa on the show yesterday from The Athletic uh, in Boston to talk about the Bruins and their perfect start to the season and how they had a bit of a cupcake schedule. It was a 6-0-0 start, which included... Upcoming, when we were talking to Fluto, this game against the Ducks, where I was like, ah, Bruins will go 7 0 no problem. Ducks were huge uh, uh, underdogs on the money line. I think they were plus 260, but they won. Here's what it sounded like Mason McTavish with the game winner to knock Boston from the ranks of the undefeated. Comes over, helps get the puck loose. Here's Carlson. Two on one with McTavish. Great pass. Now, that wasn't the only team that fell from the ranks of the undefeated last night. The Colorado Avalanche 
who haven't lost on the road, I think, since the year 2000. <laughs> they just win all their road games. They finally, finally came crashing back to earth uh, in Pittsburgh. They lose 4 nothing to the Penguins, who really tightened it up. That Jari. Was a, that, that was a big win for Pittsburgh. Huge Pittsburgh win. Second str- shutout for Jari. Yeah. He's got two. I know. He's played well this year. It's, it, it, Pride never, of Ladner. I was reading a lot of the gamers, and they were talking about how the Penguins finally decided to play smart, sensible hockey and not take all the high risks that they were taking early in the season when they got off to that 2-4 and four start. Uh, the Avalanche lose, so they are now... No longer undefeated. The only undefeated team in the NHL is the defending Stanley Cup champions, the Vegas Golden Knights, who are off to a perfect 7-0-0 start. So a couple other scores that caught my eye last night. Tampa Bay, 6-0 over San Jose. San Jose has yet to win a game. They are 0-6-1. The Canucks will see the San Jose Sharks in the next couple of weeks. I think it's their 10th, the Canucks' 10th game of the season. They are. They're down in San Jose. That is a terrible I know we've seen some terrible teams mm-hmm. lately in the NHL, right? Yeah. Last couple of years, you've seen some real bottom feeders, but the Sharks are a special brand of stink. They are. Yeah. Awful. I wonder if they'll. Who's the? Do the Washington Capitals still have the, the pride of being the worst ever? The worst ever team is the Capitals. The Capitals. Uh, the cap in expansion era, year. The cap era. It was that well, one. The Abs year, were terrible. That one year the where the Abs just completely bottomed out. The Sabers and Coyotes were bad, but this team was awful last year. With a Norse Trophy winning defenseman, their mm-hmm. goalies this year have been pretty good. They're both both operating yeah, they around nine hundred, but their goals against averages are like three and a half, four and a half. Like it's crazy the amount of shots they're giving. It's up. a terrible team. It's just a terrible team, and it's intentionally bad. Yeah, um, but it's going to be hard to watch. And I'm going to be curious to see um, attendance in yeah, San Jose. I was just going to say that, and how far off, like how far are they going to fall? And even if they do get good again. How difficult is it going to be for them to regain the fan base that they had? Because they had a really good fan base. Um, the other score that caught my eye, the Philadelphia Flyers win again. They are now 4-2-1. and one, yep. And they've had some pretty impressive victories. One over the Canucks, one over the Oilers. And they smoked the Minnesota Wild last night, 6-2. to two. This is interesting for both teams because, first of all, Philly is, are they the surprise team? Right now, yeah. they are, yeah. And maybe maybe them and the Canucks, but I think the Canucks had higher expectations than the Flyers. The Flyers are now 4-2-1. and one. The Minnesota Wild aren't in, like, big trouble. They're 3-3-1, three, three and one. but by the sounds of it, they are not playing very, very good hockey right now, mm-hmm. and defensively, they are kind of a mess, um, which doesn't really, you know, mesh with the Minnesota Wild brand. Yeah. And, you know, this is good news for the Canucks, right? Because I think if you're looking at that central division right now, and yes, it's still early, but you're looking at Colorado and Dallas, they're probably going to be the top two teams in that division. Mm. Right now, Winnipeg's third, St. Louis is fourth, Minnesota is fifth, and then you've got three teams in Arizona, Nashville, and Chicago that, you know, don't have super high expectations. It's very possible that there can only be three playoff teams from the Central, mm-hmm. which would be an advantage for the Vancouver Canucks because I still think that the most likely position for the Canucks is going to be a wild card spot. Sure. I think I don't know Vegas what's will finish right first. Now, way, I think the Kings will be in there. And I still do think, although I hope I'm wrong, that the Edmonton Oilers are going to bounce back. So I still think it's those three teams that are going to be favored to finish one, two, three, regardless of the order. Mm-hmm. And then the Canucks are probably going to have to fight for a wild card spot. Prove me wrong, Canucks. Prove me wrong, Oilers. And don't bounce back. But I think, listen, I just think Calgary's in a lot more trouble than Edmonton. 
I would agree because yeah. Calgary does not have the best hockey player on the planet. I will say this. The Canucks, going into tonight's action, have a five-point lead on the Oilers in the division with a game in hand. Start chasing Edmonton. So, so and, and for the Canucks, recognize that and play hungry, mm-hmm. right? Take all the things that you did in your good games. And their last game against Nashville might have been their best, even though they beat Edmonton 8-1 in their first game. Like, in terms of how they want to play and limiting opportunities, they went into Nashville, and they just... They suffocated the Nashville Predators, and we have not seen this Canucks team be able to do that. I would imagine it's probably going to be another low-scoring game tonight against the St. Louis Blues, and the St. Louis Blues are coming off a 2-0 win over Calgary last night, so St. Louis is technically, I mean, not technically, they are the tired team. The risk for the Canucks is that it's that dreaded first home game back from a road trip, and are the Canucks going to go into this game hungry, or are they going to go into this game feeling satisfied with themselves or maybe a little unfocused? Hopefully it's the former. Coming up on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, Bob the Moj Marjanovic. It's the final week of the CFL season. The Lions are on a bye. We'll look at awards season. We'll start previewing that home playoff date against Calgary in two weeks' time. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. It's finally here. Sweet, sweet Friday. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Halford & Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. Bob the Moj Marjanovic is going to join us in just a moment here. The highlight of hour two. Really the highlight of Friday. Really the highlight of the week. Maybe the highlight of the month. Highlight of the year? Well, no, because Halloween. Highlight of the decade? Uh, Please stop. The century? Okay. (laughs) Uh, Hour two of this program is brought to you by North Star Metals Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. To the phone lines we go. Bob the Moj Marjanovic now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. What up, Moj? That was a slippery slope, wasn't it? What's that? Starting off with, like, you know, the hour and then the day, and, then, you know, just it kept going and going and going. <laughs> Moji would. Thank you for whatever honor. Yeah, it would. Uh, you are the key, the linchpin of every Friday show, but really the show in general. It's not the same without you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Going to enjoy a bye week and check out a couple of Connect games, hopefully. Connect games, hopefully. And, uh, Basically, yeah, it's going to be a busy weekend. I got to write a column for Black Press. I'm going to do one on the Canucks and Rick Tockett and culture, and yeah, so keeping busy. What are you thinking about the Canucks and culture? What are you going to write about? Just how you establish it, and you know, there's obviously a lot of reference points with the Lions, and you know, I think anytime a situation, he's got his ideas and he's got his philosophy. But I think the big thing is you have to get that leadership core on board. It make them understand what it's about. And then what the leadership core does, and I know this with the Lions, you know, and talking to the guys, they always talk about accountability within the room, right? Mm-hmm. Like when the receivers or the D-linemen or the O-linemen and they get their positional group meetings and they're, they're watching film, 
they always talk about holding each other accountable. Rick Tockett's mentioned it a couple of times. And that's a big thing because, I mean, as a coach, you can't be on someone all the time. You need that leadership core in the group itself to eventually um, almost become an extension of enforcing that culture. And that's the big key is getting those leaders on board. So really part of the the thing that I talk about today. And here's the other thing, too, that was really interesting, and I want to get into this as well, is that I remember I was talking to Scott Service at spring training, the manager of the Mariners, I know, name drop, whatever. And we were talking about bringing in those pieces to get the Mariners over the hump. And it's very dangerous because, you know, you look at a guy and he's got a ton of talent, but does he fit within your culture? Does he fit within your group? And if a guy's got a lot of talent, there's usually a reason he's available, whether it's contract or attitude. Um, but it was interesting talking to him. He said, we started in A ball. We started in rookie ball. Like they started in every level of the organization so that when a kid comes up to the Mariners and he's progressed through the system, he knows what expe- what's expected of him. He knows what being a Mariner is. And you'll hear teams talk about that as well. You know, the Mariner way or the Cardinal way or whatever the case may be. So it's going to be interesting to see like, and I'm pretty sure Rick Tocco will talk about this as well as the fact that they extend this through Abbotsford and perhaps even the players that they're dealing with in junior. I think the point that you made initially is the best one is that it, it can start with the head coach and it can start with the organization. But if you don't have that leadership group of the players sending that message and taking that message to the rest of their teammates, then it's going to peter out eventually. Like the coach's message will get stale. Um, If you don't have the players, uh, we were discussing this earlier, like, if you were a player, let's say you were kind of just like a, a mid-tier player for the team, you know, you had your role, but you weren't a star player. Who would you feel more motivated after getting spoken with? The head coach or your teammate? I would think a message from your teammate. Yes, your head coach, it's important. But if you got a message from your teammate that you need to start doing some things differently, man, that would probably make me think, I got to start doing some things differently. Yeah, and, (laughs) you know, I think we've probably all had those experiences. I know I have where, you know, a teammate has said something to you, and and you're right, it does carry a lot of weight because they're your peers, right? These are the guys that you don't – and the other thing, too, is you don't want to let them down because you're in this thing together, right? So that's a great point as well. I mean, you know, it probably carries a lot more weight when it comes from a teammate. I just wonder what it looks like sometimes. What does it look like when a teammate is holding another teammate accountable? You know, I I know people's first reaction is probably like, you go into the room and yell at the guy. But I wonder if it can, if it looks different um, in actual fashion. What do you think? I don't think you have to yell at a guy. I think, you know, a lot of times you just appeal to that individual and, you know, uh, I just remember, you know, there, there are certain coaches that could sit there and scream and yell at you, and there's other coaches that will look at you and say, hey, you know what, you're better than that. I, I know you're better than that because I've seen you be better than that. So we need more out of you here. So, I mean, there's different ways of going about it, and you got to realize probably there's different ways of motivating people too, right? Some people might respond to the soft touch. Other people might need more of a kick in the butt. We're speaking above the Moj Marjanovic here on the Halford and Brush Show on Sportsnet 650. Moj is a presentation of the West Coast Auto Group. Great service, great selection just over the bridge in Maple Ridge. Moj, obviously you mentioned it earlier. It's the final week of the CFL season. The Lions are on a bye. 
But we've got a few Lions, in fact, more than a few, quite a handful of them, that are going to be up for individual awards. We'll move past the MOP conversation. I kind of want to focus on a guy that we haven't really discussed this year a lot anyway, and that's Matthew Betts. How many awards could this guy conceivably be in line for? Because not only is he one of the best defensive players in the CFL, he's also Canadian from Laval. Matthew Betts, how much hardware is he going to get? Well, I think he's probably going to walk away with at least one award. I don't think it'll be two. I think he'll walk away with the most outstanding defensive player award. His main competition in the West, in the West is Micah Owie, who led the league in tackles. But at the same time, in the former line, I should mention. But, you know, I think you have to look at the success of the team as well, right? So Micah Owie had a whole lot of tackles on a team that wasn't very good. And, yeah, great for Micah Owie, but... When you have a record-setting season like Matthew Betts, uh, I think he has to be the choice. Um, out of the East, maybe a Darius Pickett will probably be his competition, and he had a great year for the Argos. But again, it goes for me, it goes back to being a record-setter. When hmm. you set a record, as Matthew Betts did for most sacks by a Canadian in a season with, what, 17, um, yeah, I, I think he's the choice. Now, most outstanding Canadian, even coming out of the West, is going to be a little difficult because of the fact that Brady Oliveira right. from Winnipeg is up for the award, so... Um, I don't understand how, you know, if you're going to vote for Brady Oliveira as the most outstanding player, that you don't vote for Brady Oliveira as the most outstanding Canadian. So I think Oliveira will probably wind up winning the most outstanding Canadian. But, yeah, a great season for Matthew Betts. And, you know, I, like I said, he'll probably walk away with at least one piece of hardware. We don't talk a ton on the show when we do these previews and everything about special teams and kicking. But at the end of the year, looking ahead to the playoffs, like those things will matter because it's a one-game winner-take-all. Special teams and kicking can become a big part of it. How good has Sean White been for the Lions this year? Well, he's been money. Um, he finished the season off on a roll with 18 consecutive field goals. And, you know, he hits the game winner in Hamilton. He's just, like I said, he's been money. He's been so accurate. And when it comes to the most outstanding special teams player, and it's going to be interesting because, again, it's if you look at the numbers between him and Rennie Paredes in Calgary, really not that much to choose from. But um, if I had my druthers, I would probably go with White. Although in the East, when you're looking at Javon Leak in Toronto, he had an outstanding season as a returner. So he might wind up winning that award. But, yeah, I, Sean White. And what a story, too. I mean, here's a guy that's, bounced around the league. He almost quit football after being cut by the Montreal Alouettes, wound up going to Edmonton, winning a great cup there, and now he's going to finish his career in Vancouver. Um, I'm expecting at least another year out of Sean White, and if the the Lions win a great cup next year at home, uh, man, what a storybook finish it would be for him. Okay, Moj, it's Ask Us Anything Friday on the Halford and Brush Show. Love it, baby, love it. What do you got? This one is in praise of a previous Ask Us Anything with Moj, and then I'll dovetail it into another question. So it's a lengthy one, but this one is from Dave in Victoria. He says, Ask Us Anything for Moj. The Paprika journey has been completed. Last weekend, we went to Richmond. My wife was able to find the little importing shop in South Richmond that Moj talked about. Yes, it's a warehouse, and yes, it's hilarious. Uh, the paprika is called Las Hermanas Smoked Paprika. I've added it to many meals this week, and I have to say, Moj knows his stuff. Thank you for <laughs> connecting me to this godsend. Then he writes, thank you to Moj, Halford, and Bruff. Dogs, you did nothing. I agree. Uh, now we need a follow-up. Is there a particular sauce? We're going to go all condiments with Moj on this one. We went with the seasonings with paprika, and I used to watch you come in 
Uh, when we did crossover mode, and you had the most elaborate lunch setup. It was the any, best. I love it. It was great. You eat it during the show, which is impressive because it's a talk radio show. And you put the meal together during the show. It was incredible. <laughs> it was like watching Gordon Ramsay right in front of me. But um, if in terms of either like a sauce or a dressing, is there something that you can point our listeners to that they have to try out in the same vein of the smoked paprika? Mm, you see, I'm going to give you a sauce. If you're into Mexican food. Yeah. Um, you can make your own like green salsa verde. Um, all you got to do is you got to run out and buy some tomatillos. Okay. So buy maybe like, I don't know, depending on how much sauce you want to make, but anywhere from six to a dozen, maybe even more. So you bake the tomatillos, then you take the, you peel the skin off. Okay. It's still super warm. Um, you put the tomatillos in a blender, then you can throw in you know, whatever want. You know, I mean, you can throw in a little bit of cilantro. You can throw in a little bit of diced onion. You can throw in definitely maybe throw in a, a little bit of a jalapeno. It's all up to you, right? I mean, depending what type of flavor you want. Mm-hmm. And then when you make homemade tomatillo sauce and it's nice and warm like that, because remember, it's been in the oven for like whatever, 15, 20 minutes. Oh, it's so good. And you put that onto your fajitas. You can put it on anything. I mean, you can put it on like, you know, eggs in the morning. You can put it on your steak. You can put it on chicken, you name it, um, and it's cereal. Don't do cereal. Moj's versatile salsa verde. Mm -hmm. I can see the marketing potential already. I like ranch. Work with me. Can can I do (laughs) Thousand Island? Sorry, sorry, Moj. What was that? Can I do an ask us anything? Sure. Are we going to know when Bruff shows up to hockey games? Because a lot of talk about gambling in the last couple of days. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you know, insider information. If we know that Bruff is going to the game. Then we fade the Canucks. Yeah, no, I'm going on Saturday. Ooh. Are you? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to get busted for insider trading. Yeah. No, it doesn't look good. <laughs> Canucks second of the back of back. Bruff is in the building. That doesn't look good for the Canucks. So you hopefully they can get the win tonight. Every, every time you go to a game, you should just tweet that you're going to the game. I actually had a pretty good record in, with Canucks games. It's everything else that right. I go to. Yeah. That Lions yeah. game against Hamilton, that was that was bad. That was that yeah, was on me. That, that wasn't pretty. That was it? that was like Geno Smith after the Cincy game. I was like, that's on me. I got to be better. Odds yeah. makers listen to the show and when Bruff puts something out there, you can physically the see line. the line moving right mm-hmm. after. Yeah, yeah. I believe it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do. I believe it. Yeah, Moj, thanks for that's, doing that's this. Not, that's nice that I'm known as the uh, jinx for the team that I grew up cheering for. It's, that's nice. It's what you are. That's now. great. Uh, that's Moj, awesome. thanks for doing this today. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the week. Uh, when we do this next week, we'll be previewing the playoffs, which should be a lot of fun. Yeah, we'll be. Have a great weekend, fellas. You Jim too. Moj. Thanks. Bob the Moj Marjanovich here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Okay. Can- Canucks put up a sign with Bruff's face in it. Do not let this man into the building. Yeah, he's like, he writes bad checks too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By the way, doing it, see, Moj initially would recoil against Ask Us Anything yeah, Friday. Yeah, he's learned to love it. Yep. Well, all you have to do is ask him a food-related query. Yeah, and same. then yeah, like you, he had that uh, salsa verde recipe committed to memory. He's done it before, mm-hmm. I think. and that's when you make salsa verde on a biweekly basis. I, I, I gotta like, say, yeah. when when you pointed out the crossover at the old station, I loved. It was like you know how like the clown cars, where all these clowns get out of the car, and like how can they possibly fit into this little vehicle? Yeah, it's like that. Moj's lunch bag was like it had this it like was. vortex in it. Mm, yeah. He pulled out like like. An hour's worth of food from this little tiny bag. I don't know how you know he what crammed it, like? it all in there. It was amazing. Okay, there's another timely movie reference. Do you remember the Be- Breakfast Club? I do. Yes. When Emilio Estevez, who was the writer, who was the, not the writer, he was the not wrestler. The yeah. He was the wrestler, and he had like this massive meal that he kept on 
bringing. Yeah, he had like up. a yeah. grocery bag size yeah. paper bag. And everyone's like, "What? What's going on here?" It just never ended. I had yeah. a lot of respect for the fact that Moj obviously was trained to eat at noon. Like noon is yeah. lunch. <laughs> Nothing gets in the way of that. Even my radio show. So as soon as 12 p.m. hit, there was food. It didn't matter if he was in the middle. You hear of the, the hum interview. of the rotisserie chicken thing in the back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and Moj <laughs> does not suffer fools when it comes to lunch. It's no basic no, mid oh, lunch. No, no, there were multiple bottles and sauces. It was very. I, it made me hungry every time I saw bowl it. For a salad, three different Perriers. It was like I mean, all that was missing was a linen napkin and some silverware. That was Moj's lunch. Okay, let's li- listen. Canucks fans are in a good mood right now. It's like it, this is a this is a fun Friday show, and who knows who knows how long it's going to last. But right now, the Canucks are four and two. They're coming off a really good game in Nashville. They got. A game tonight against St. Louis and a game Saturday against the Rangers. Meanwhile, in Alberta, you got both teams struggling badly. Not just a little bit, not just like, how ah, you know, we can't really find our game. Mm-hmm. Calgary looks hopeless right now. Their last two games, they've looked like the word for them is toothless. They just have no bite to their game, no offensive creativity. They got shut out on home ice by St. Louis. Edmonton at least has a bit of an excuse right now in that Connor McDavid has been hurt. Sure. But they're not playing well. They got issues with guys not performing in Evander Kane. They got issues with defensive play. A lot of criticism for guys like Evan Bouchard, Darnell Nurse, even Matthias Ekholm. And then they got goaltending issues, right? They just don't they don't have trust in their goaltending right now with either Skinner or Campbell. And the best part is we're going to see these two teams against each other in front of, what, 60,000 fans at Commonwealth Stadium on Sunday? Well, I'll even take this a step further. It's not just, as a Canucks fan, being all fat and happy and sassy about where we're at. It's not just the Alberta teams. If you go and look at the NHL standings right now, five of the seven bottom teams in the NHL are all from the Pacific Division. Yeah. Like, there is a chance. I'm making the So gesture. maybe my point about only three teams going from the Central is going to be wrong, actually. Well, I'm just, you know, I could still see it playing out that way because I do think one of these Alberta teams is going to rebound. I think it's going to be Edmonton. Mm-hmm. I still see, at the end of the day, the top three in the Pacific being Vegas, L.A., Edmonton. I'm not really sure how the standings will shake out. I don't think Vegas might lose a game, so they might finish <laughs> the top of the standings. But you look at it right now. If you want to make the I playoffs. I think L.A. is still a solid team, right? People don't talk know, much about I put L.A. In I know, there, but like know. people haven't been talking about it. They're, no, no. They're, they're a good team. All I'm saying is, is if you want to make the playoffs in the NHL, you have to feast in your division. You got to eat. I'm making the gesture right now. Like, mm-hmm. You got to eat. You got to chew it up. And it's a lot easier to do that when your division is full of terrible hockey teams. San Jose is going to be the worst team in hockey this year. Now, you almost write them off because – Everyone's going to feast on the Sharks this year, but they might steal a point here and there. Edmonton is the second worst team in the NHL. Well, the good thing about the the good thing about the Oilers too is even if they do bounce back, the Canucks have played two of the games against the Oilers. They're perfect against the Oilers right now. Just keep that going. Calgary is 29th in the NHL. Seattle's 27th. Anaheim is 26th. And Anaheim's not very good. And Seattle's got back to their losing ways last night. Mm -hmm. So I, I, if you're looking at it right now, there is genuine. Bonafide reason for optimism, and it's not just putting on a show or being, oh, we're a house of positivity one day and a house of negativity next. 
you look at this and you're saying, hey, the Canucks are off to a good start. 4-2-0, you absolutely take that after mm-hmm. a six-game uh, opener where five of them were on the road. And it doesn't feel like, like there have been previous years. I want to say it might have been when did, about four or five years. This was before the pandemic. The Canucks got off to a good results start in that they had won a bunch of their first six or seven games. But everyone was like, man, the way they're playing, like this is not this is not sustainable, yeah. right? This is not sustainable. I think it was when Edler and Tanev were still on the team. And Edler and Tanev were like blocking a ton of shots. And it was just like we knew it wasn't sustainable. And ultimately, it wasn't. The hockey the Canucks are playing right now, especially in that Nashville game, that's a sustainable way of winning. Mm-hmm. Now, whether they can continue to do that remains to be seen because we're still, we still have some questions about whether or not they can control play or even just break it even at five on five. There were plenty of games early before Nashville where they didn't do that, and that was the concern. And you're kind of going, okay, well, are they just a team that's going to get good If they can continue what they did in Nashville, and against St. Louis tonight, there's no reason why they shouldn't. St. Louis is no better than Nashville. Those are about the same sort of teams. If they can dictate play at five-on-five, maybe pin the Blues in their own end for a few shifts, tire them out, take advantage of them like the Canucks did against the Predators, then it's more encouraging. Mm -hmm. It's not just the record. The record, yeah, it's great that they're four and two. It's better than 05 and two, which is the way they started last season. It's awesome. Um, but it's more about that it looks more sustainable than it has in the past. Yeah, the Nashville game was the best example of that, I would say. Is there was a blueprint for that team on how to play Rick Talk at hockey, how to play a low event game, and more importantly, win a low event game. So that's important. You can't just play low event hockey. You have to be able to win those type of games. And that's the kind of blueprint that you can slot away somewhere, put in the filing cabinet. The next time that they sort of need a professional, you know, not exactly a work of art, but a good solid two points, they can fall back on some of those tenets, right? Like let's hold a team to underneath under 20 shots. Let's make sure that when we get a lead, we're, you know, following it up with a good shift. We're not automatically returning whatever lead that we get. Those sorts of staples, and Talkit speaks about staples a lot. Those staples are what this team is going to need moving forward. This is he sponsored it by was, staples. It was 2016 yeah. 17, so quite I a saw, while I now. Found it. I found it. They started out with four straight wins, but one was in the shootout, two were in overtime. And then after they went 4-0, and and everyone was like, this isn't sustainable, uh, they lost nine straight. Uh, that was the final year of the Willie Desjardins era, if I'm not right. mistaken. Yeah. yeah. I remember that. Here's an Ask Us Anything. Um, this is from Woodrow, the eligible bachelor. Oh, Woodrow. And it's a bachelor-type question. Would taking a first date to a Canucks game be setting the bar too high? <sighs> I don't That's think so. interesting. I don't think so. That's interesting. I don't think so. Act like you're the type of guy that just gets Canucks tickets all the time. There was a caller in the Flames post game yesterday that said he took a first date to the Flames game, and he's afraid she doesn't want to go back out another date with him. I, yeah, I, I, think it, I, had, I think it depends on the result. <laughs> depends on the result. I had a buddy that this was ages ago. I think the Canucks were still playing at the Coliseum. That took a first date to a Canucks game, and it ended up being a really rough game. Like there were lots of fights. Yeah, and apparently he just kind of like ended up ignoring her because the whole time he was like 
on his feet, like get him, get him, like like <laughs> just like kill him, kill yeah. him. <laughs> and she she was probably like, "Well, this guy loves violence a lot. I don't I don't know if I'm going to settle down with him for somebody a while. who's new so, to hockey. They'd be like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> what is going? See, on I here? I appreciate the angle that you're taking with this. Is like, hey, you know what? Put out a, a good show on that first day. Right? Mm-hmm. At the same time, I think maybe you're forgetting the first date dynamic. Is it's a real wild card. Like you don't know what you're getting, right? Yeah. And, you're stuck next to this person for three. Well, hours. it's not even that, but like you, there has to be a certain level of conversation that goes on on a first date, so you can be like, that would be the psycho, one. I have to leave now. Yeah, right? that I, that would actually be the one thing that I would be concerned about is like, how do you get to know them when you're, you're watching having a no game? conversation if you're at a hockey game? Well, like, you could be. Not even knowing everyone. Right, around you, you in your section. There's nothing worse than that guy. If they're really into guy. hockey, you might be talking about the game. I saw I saw a date at the driving range the other day, and I was hitting balls at the driving range, and that's tough. I cringed. I nearly cringed my way right out of the golf course yeah. because this guy was not good at golf, mm. but he was giving tips to this girl like he was Tiger Woods. I mean, and then he'd be like, and then you just try it. You know, I'll just show, I'll just show you. I'll just try it. I just, you know, you just got to. Like Milos, the tennis instructor from Seinfeld. It's all a turn. And then he would blade one like 90 yards or shank it. And he's like, well, you know, I'm not, not like that. And she's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, you, you suck. <laughs> and she, 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 she had, knows more about golf than him. She, she kind of had this <laughs> smile on her, on her face that was just like, my face is getting tired from faking smiling so much. Yeah, this is awful. Get me out of here. Yeah. Uh, speaking of being awful and getting out of here, Rick Dollywall is going to join us next on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. I didn't think that made sense. Whatever. It's a segue. It it's works. It's Friday. Um, Rick's we're gonna, awful. We're getting out of here. Rick's going to join us for his usual Friday hijinks. We're going to talk about the Vancouver Canucks, but we also need to talk about Don Taylor's induction into the BC Sports Hall of Fame. Yes. What hat will Donnie wear? You know what? I disagree with it. That's Bring a real honor guy. We, have, we, we knew there'd be one. Have to have Hall of Fame debates. I'll, I'll, I'll wear the. <laughs> I thought we were going to wear the black hat. What, what I was going to say. What hat does yeah. Donnie wear? Does he wear a Donnie and Dolly hat? Does he, he wear has a, a history of steroids? Does he wear? <laughs> does he wear a sports page hat? I bet he's not wearing a Sportsnet hat. Uh, so ask Donnie <laughs> coming up, uh, or sorry, we'll ask Dolly about his good friend uh, Don Taylor. We'll also ask him about the Vancouver Canucks. That's all coming up next on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.